Jeff Disher, I'm your host. Uh, you know what the program's about. We bring people on that have made a difference, uh, not only in community, but in life in general. Those that stand out, those that separate themselves from the crowd. I like bringing them on, picking their brains, hearing their stories, um, so I can inspire and motivate you to do the same thing. Uh, today's guest, I've known her for 20 years. We we're just talking about it, and I've seen her all the way through her journey. She's seen me through all my journey, um, and we've kind of had each other's backs this whole time. And she's done very well for herself. I'm very proud of her. Uh, she has a beautiful family now. And I wanted to get her on the podcast so we could hear her story. So without further ado, I want to uh, introduce Semret. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. And she's at uh, IFBB Pro Swimsuit. We'll talk about kind of that journey. Um, but I want to start out and tell the people just first of all a little bit about yourself and I want to go back So I want to go back from your original country and I want I want them to really know <laughs> what we're dealing with here because it's an inspiring story So tell us about your, your beginnings. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me and Of course, I, this is really exciting and I'm proud of you um, Well, as Jeff said, I am Samret Rissom uh, and originally, I'm from Eritrea, which is East Africa, Northeast Africa, small country called Eritrea. And I moved here when I was a teen to be with my dad. I was like 13, I turned 14, I think, in America. So, um, gosh, that was like crazy. Yeah. A huge uh, culture shock. Did you come by yourself? I came with my two other siblings, okay. my half siblings, to be with my dad. And did you stay with your dad, or had that work out? Um, well, temporary. So when I moved to America, I met my dad the first time, San Diego Airport. I've never seen him in person. So he left Eritrea when I was a baby, and I, he knew when I was like six months old, but I don't remember him. Just through pictures and letters. So meeting my dad for the first time was kind of like nerve-wracking. Where was he living? Was he living? In San Diego, yeah. Really? Wow. Uh -huh. So I was so curious to see what he looked like. I don't know what he looked, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the first time seeing him and I was like so excited at the same time nervous, but meeting him, I was um, like kind of what I expected. You know, he's a strong um, Eritrean man and he used to be a, a soldier back home. Anyway, so I moved in with my siblings and he is remarried with his new wife and family. And um, unfortunately things didn't work out and um, my dad wasn't able to take care of us, and so we stayed probably, I would say, maybe less than a year with him. Okay. And, you know, we had some abuse that happened to me and my sister, and um, we were going to school to learn English <laughs> when mm -hmm. we moved here. Um, in class, uh, my sister and I, we were very eager to learn English. We want to know everything, so we always sat in front of a class, this ESL class. Um, mm -hmm. Our teacher, her name is uh, Betty Bull. Um, we were the only black kids in the class. They were Hispanic, maybe Islanders, but no other black Did kids. Did you know English at that point? No. <laughs> wow, okay. So, but we just like, I remember just feeling like, am I ever gonna understand this language? And my sister and I would talk in you know, my language, Tigrinya, and we would say to each other, I'm like, this is hard, what, what is, but we really wanna know what she was saying. And so we sat in front, in our culture, um, teachers are very respected. And so we were very respectful. We were taught to respect elderly, especially your teacher. You honor them. So when you see your teacher, you're like, you have to be respectful. And so we were very quiet. Whatever she said, we follow. But we also noticed American kids, they were so bad. And we were like, how are they so disrespectful to her? We couldn't understand the culture difference. So anyways, um, we end up, she really noticed us um, sh because we were always asking questions. We were learning like colors and all the things that you learn when you're, you know, young. For us, we have to do it all over, you know, mm -hmm. from the beginning, ABCs and all those things. And uh, um, we were always curious, and she noticed us, and we would come to class, and eventually, like the abuse, kind of, you know, didn't. It was uncomfortable for us to live at home, and my dad even threatened to send us back to Eritrea, and we were just, we didn't know. We were teenagers, we didn't know what to do, and. Um, 
she noticed that we'll come to class, we're not as excited and wanting to know, but we were worried about what we have to be doing when we get home. And it was it was tough, you know, I not bet, having yeah. my mom, who was like my protector, and he promised her the world that he'll, you know, take care of me, and that didn't happen. So uh, eventually our teacher um, noticed uh, that we were not doing good as we, you know, she noticed a difference. So one day she brought somebody who spoke our language to translate for us, and in our culture you don't tell anyone your problem. That's like a no-no. That's just a taboo. We told her, no, we don't have any problems. Mm. <laughs> then, you know, the guy who she brought, one of um, our friend, he's, uh, his dad is friend with my, my dad, and we were scared. Like, what if he's going to tell on us? And we just didn't want – we knew we needed help, but we were scared. Then eventually he came. He's like, I want to help you. Just tell me what's going on. She really wants to help you guys. And so we told him. And I remember she gave us, I think it's 25 cents to call, pay phone, and her phone number. And she said, if you ever needed anything, just call me, and I'll come pick you up at this library on North um, Park Boulevard, you know, that li yeah. public library. We live in that area. So we were like, wow, this is crazy. And then my sister just kind of, she I was very shy, like very, very timid back then. And um, so she kind of like, said we need to do this. This is our only way to escape. If we don't want to move with him to Seattle, she was moving. If we want to stay here in America, we have to make it changes. So um, we called her. And of course, one day, one morning, he's just like, get out of my house. And we were teens. So where do we go? We have no family. We don't speak English. We have no one, right? Yeah. We're basically on the street. So we had to call her. And she came pick us up. Uh, to make the story short, she ended up taking us in, and we were raised by, now you know, my yep. mom, Betty. So oh, yeah. that's, that's a cool story. Yeah. Um, I've never heard that whole part of it at the beginning about the school and everything, um, mm -hmm. but it's inspiring. I just, Thanks. we'll fast forward. So you finished high school. Where'd you go to high school? So San Diego High. San Diego High, right down the street. Yep. So you went to school there. I know that. Yeah. Um, and the first time I met Semret was um, at 24 Hour Fitness. Yeah. So back in 2000, which is 20 years ago, I was a... 20-something, three-year-old, 22-year-old um, trainer that started there. I was there already, and then all of a sudden, I see Semret working there, and she was a front desk. We're all kind of in the same little area. The thing about Semret, though, is she was very serious, and what I mean by that is, you know, the whole respect thing you talk about coming from Africa and all that stuff, it showed up right away, and she had, a, she had an accent, a really thick accent, and I'm a joker. I'm a class clown, if everyone knows who I am, and so I would make fun of, mess with her and make fun of her, um, her yeah. accent, but at the same time, she's very serious. Like everyone else, you could play with them, play jokes, and they'd laugh at anything. But Semrit, if you tried playing a joke and she didn't get it because she didn't, <laughs> she would just look at you all strange and check you real quick. Like, <laughs> what do you talk? Don't you ever talk to me like that? And she was young. That we were twenty-one. We tw I, I was nineteen. When nineteen. I there, yeah. And uh, I used to mess with, like, joke around with everybody, and she was not having it. I just remember after that, like, she got so serious with me, and she's like, "Don't you ever talk to me like that?" And you like went off on this thing. I'm like, well, "I'm sorry." <laughs> And I feel like ever since then, though, like, you know, I had a, obviously a respect for you. We had a mutual respect. Yeah. And then I ended up getting my real estate license. And you would always ask me because you were always very eager to learn. I remember that clearly that you were always eager, eager to learn. You always wanted to better yourself. You're always talking about growing and what your plans were and what you wanted to do. And you would always ask me, even back then, what should I do, Jeff? What should I do, Jeff? What should I do? Yeah. And then I ended up leaving uh, 24 Fitness, yeah. um, where we were at. And I, I went on to start my real estate career, which is almost 20 years ago, because we worked together for like two years, I think, three yeah. years. Yeah. And, uh, and even after I did that, I remember you were, you were telling that you were going to start going to school to become a nurse. You were going to work at the, at the hospital. That was your goal. And I'm just kind of telling our story real quick so we can get fast forward yeah. through. Um, yeah. And then I remember you started doing your nursing. Yeah. And you were doing your nursing. And you were working out back then. And I'm not sure. I, you were working out hard, though, because I remember you were going to the gym back then. I just don't know when you started your transition into becoming going so serious because I remember seeing you at the gym one day after and you were yeah. super serious yeah. um and I remember you nursing and let's talk about that let's just do a brief snippet about you getting into nursing and how that all took well, place before that I had my hair business you remember that was that before nursing yes oh my god I thought I was my gonna bring that so in long. after so yeah. she did she had her own let's talk about that real quick so <laughs> she's 19 and I remember that was one of your things you were doing hair I think on the side then you yes. had talked about opening your own place yes how'd that happen so I mean I've I love being an entrepreneur and I, I love creating, but I've always 
back home, everyone owned their own business, and it has always been my dream, even when I was a little girl, uh, to just do things that I love, and hair was one of the things that I loved. And so I remember one day I was like, I'm gonna open my own salon. I have no idea like what businesses, I have no business background, nothing, but I know what I want. I remember you telling me that. That was one thing about you were fearless. Like you would tell me, Jeff, I'm gonna open my own salon. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, Samra. And I'm not saying that I doubted you, but like I was, at that time I'm like working for, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. and you, there was no deviation. There was no questioning, no fear. You're just like, I'm gonna do it. You'll see, everyone's mm -hmm. gonna see. Yeah. I wrote it down, you'll see. Yes. And then all of a sudden you hit me up one time. You're like, Hobbit, come see my new place. Yes. Yes, yeah, so. I remember I was passed by, it was on alcohol, it's still there by the way. Yep. And I passed by this store, it says for, for rent, the small place. And, and I was like, oh, I want to call this person and see if they take. I had no business license, nothing, no chair, but I just knew what I wanted. And the guy was like, apply, and I'll let you know. Of course, he called me, he's like, you got it. And I was like, oh, I need, a, I need to get everything that needs for a salon, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember I had a temporary, you know, one chair, and I started with one chair, and I waited for my equipment to come for almost like two months. And, um, but I just, I knew, even my mother who raised me here, my sisters are like, how come you're not afraid to open? And I was like, unless I try it, I never knew. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I wanted to see if I could do it. And um, then I started with one chair, and of course I opened up, and I was there for almost like 12, 15 years. I know. And I loved every single part of, I still love hair. Like, that's just, you know, one of my passions. And, but, yeah, I opened, I worked that, and then, you know. You um, had like 10 jobs. I when she told yep, me she was, was in Africa, I thought she was in Jamaica for a minute you because. You always told me that. She, yeah, I'm like, what are you, Jamaican? Because. And another thing about Semret, you guys, it's really cool. And that back in the day, I was like, ah, whatever, is that she doesn't drink alcohol, smoke, nothing. Like, nothing goes in. And, and But she'd have 10 jobs. And I was like, okay, maybe that's where she's consuming her time. Yeah. Which, again, the whole alcohol and all that stuff, that was another respect. I'm like, wow, she's not doing it. And back then, you know, you used to always yell at me, like, Hobbit, you're drinking too much. Yeah. Because I'd be out drinking and partying and having fun. Hobbit, stop all that. Stop all that. That's going to ruin you. You're doing so well. Why? And now, you know, looking back in, in hindsight, kind of what you're you know, we had obviously two different paths. I mean, yeah. I come from a rough background too. Obviously nothing like what you did. However, um, I remember you telling me that and I'd be like, oh, and now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, so much respect because it's so easy, especially you coming here to get caught up in with that, you know, with the American lifestyle and all that. Yeah. And you didn't, you were literally, I remember stopping by a few times, you'd always be there working, proud, happy, your clients were happy. You had other stylists there with you. Yes. They were happy. Yeah. Um, so that was just one thing. And again, I, I'm, I'm, this is all coming back to adversity, right, guys? So yeah. coming from Africa, coming over here, going through, uh, you know, meeting with her dad that was yeah. abusive, getting adopted by her teacher. That all worked out, graduated, started her hair salon. What made you get into nursing? Well, um, it was one of the things that growing up, I, I loved helping people. And I was like, maybe I'll do good on helping people. What a best way to do things to help to people and to encourage them to just and and I was like I want to try it so I was taking classes and I became a nurse assistant mm -hmm. and I worked at UCSD and I loved every single part of it and it was one of the greatest things I've ever done honestly to see someone um, on the lowest and to be able to to like comfort someone and and part of it was rewarding and part of it was really hard for me because I'm so sensitive and I took everything home. So every time I lose a patient, I would call my mom crying like, you know, I wish I could do this. I wish I can help them from, you know, dying or just you feel so connected. Mm -hmm. And so that it showed me that life is so short working in the hospital and that I don't take nothing for granted, even more, even before I was that way, but it made me even more be like so grateful for every single day that I have on this earth, you know, because nobody, there is somebody living a life. Mm -hmm. right now, so, yeah. you know, I just feel blessed and that was amazing. And then um, after I worked in the hospital, I was still taking classes to pursue, you know, my actual real nursing career. And, and then I was doing bodybuilding too. Mm -hmm. and, my passion, as always, you know, like I love fitness, but. Uh, so real quick, because we're going to jump into that, but what year do you think is it when you made that switch in your mind? It's almost like a modern day yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Like you literally <laughs> come here from another country, you start your nurse and you do that. You start your hair business, you do that. And now I don't know when it was, but I remember seeing you down at 
24 Horton Plaza. At what point did you make that switch and realize you want to so become? So I remember, I mean, I was married and got divorced, mm-hmm. and I said to myself um, that I needed something that's going to make me not ever be that low yes. ever again. And I don't even, we can't even talk about all that, yeah, but that's like yeah. a whole other crazy thing that, that would even is, bring this yeah. story that would be yeah. even be crazier. But we'll leave that out. But just let, there's just another whole incident that is crazy. So it just, the right there, and I, I used the gym to kind of like, you know, release stress. And that was my escape because, you know, I don't drink and smoke. And that was my happy place was to work out. And I remember a few guys, you know, uh, you know, some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Africa, sorry, to visit my mother. And I came back, I saw this guy that I knew who was big and lost a lot of weight. And I was like, what happened to you? Are you sick? He's like, no, I'm doing bodybuilding. I was like, what is bodybuilding? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, Sam, oh my God, you're so good. You're always here at the gym. You should do bikini. And I was like, what? I'm not going to be a big guy like you. I don't yeah. want to, you know. So the first thing that comes to my mind doing bodybuilding is like, I don't want to be huge. That's like, no. And he's like, no, no, no. There's a new division called bikini. Just come and show and watch the show with me, and then you'll see. So I was like, of course, here's, and I'm like, okay, I'll come support you, and I'll watch it. I walked in, I've never in my life seen bodybuilding in like real life, right? I've always bought the magazine Health and Fitness, but, mm-hmm. and I seen the girls, they just look so beautiful with their bikini, their body. I was like, oh, this is the magazine that I've been buying. Yeah, <laughs> I can totally see you too. Like, wait a minute, I got these people in my magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally I see was, it. That was so me. And I was like, oh, this is what I wanted. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I want to sign up. What do I need to do? Of course, right? Yep. He was like, well, you need to talk to a coach and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, I immediately, I knew I wanted. And, but I didn't know that bodybuilding is like a total different just different game, right? It's, and it's a it's this real sport. It's, it's a professional. A, it's I like saying, I'm going to go play NFL for the Chargers. That's it's, what you basically said. They brought you to a Charger game or NFL game, and they said, hey, you have a great body for this. You're always at the field practicing throwing balls. Yeah. Become an NFL player. And you showed up to Charger practice like, <laughs> oh, this is, the, this is the TV show I watch every weekend. That was me, I swear. So Now, were I, you, w- w- sorry to interrupt, but when you were doing that, were uh-huh. you still nursing and hair? So, yes, you know, I had... First of all, I support my family back home. My mom, like my dream when I came to America was like I was basically the ticket for my family, right? Because you, a lot of immigrants can re- relate to me. When you come, especially from a poor country, you're responsible for your family to send money. So, eighteen since eighteen, that's why I work like you know Jamaica. Mm-hmm. You see me. I was supporting my family and myself, and so. I was like, okay, and able for me to sustain, like have money for myself and my family, I had to calculate and add extra side, right? Yep. So I kept my business and then I started working as a nurse, you know, nursing, <coughs> excuse me. So that way I can support my family too because I can't just stop, right? Yep. I have responsibility. My, like, my siblings, my niece and nephew, I took them to you know, school, college, whatever. And so right there, you're, you're doing nursing, you're doing hair, and now you decide to take on professional exactly. sport. Exactly. Okay. So, but then I talked to a person. They're like, oh, you need to diet and work out. Work, work out, I know. Like, I do it. But the diet, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. That's why the people say, you know, going to the gym is the easy part. It is the easy part. One of the harder things is uh, the hardest thing is the diet, and it's so strict. Well, and I remember you talking about it. I remember you saying, first of all, the diet itself is strict and hard, but mm-hmm. then you're trying, you had to do it while mm-hmm. doing j- two different jobs. Yep. So you'd have to make the thing, instead of just like what the b- easy route would be was go to the vending machine, grab some chips, you know what I mean? Grab a quick Subway sandwich or yeah. do something quick like that. Yeah. You still had to manage to make sure your meals were all perfectly timed out. Oh yeah. I mean, I would work 12 hours job and I would get up four o'clock in the morning, do my morning cardio, go home, shower, get ready to go to work, work 12 hours and come back at night, finish my workout because that doesn't stop, right? I still have to be. I remember you going twice a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Uh I remember because I used to work at night. I remember coming in with my little uh, cousin Worm and you would be there. Yeah. And I'll be like, get it. And you'd be like, this is my second time. You guys better get your work. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and she'd be like, yeah, I've been here since four in the morning. I came already. And now I'm coming back to do, I already did an hour to cardio. And we'd be like, Pfft. yeah, like, warm and you'd be like, you crazy uh, habits. We're out of here. Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> and you would go on, though, and yeah. do a whole other like hour workout. I was so um, tunnel vision. Focused. Focused on like um, 
I couldn't, if I'm going to sign up, so I'm going, I couldn't lie. You know what I mean? If I miss a day, it's like, well, then it's going to show that I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I did that, and I, it's funny. My coworkers, they always make fun of me, like, Sam, just have a cake. You'll be fine. You mm-hmm. fit already. And I always say, no, one cake, one bite is going to be 45 minutes on the treadmill or stay master. No, thank you. <laughs> and I want to jump in this because I think I, I just hear this happening with you. And I, now that I'm looking back in retrospect, like, I think a key one thing that you've had always, and I don't know if it's culturally driven or if it's just you as a person, but you have discipline. Because everything that you're talking about, like coming here, um, getting the job, starting the companies, not drinking, not smoking, not doing drugs, um, and then getting into a sport that's, it, it's probably one of the most disciplined sports because every piece of gum, tic-tac, I mean, shit, you walk into a fast food and you breathe, that's <laughs> calories, you know what I mean? So the discipline that you've had to not be drawn into any of the, especially like you said, coming from another country and, and having probably all this opportunity, seeing all these different things, all this stuff's going on, and mm-hmm. and I can only imagine how hard it was to say no to all that. I mean, discipline is a key. I'm, I'm, it's part of my book I'm writing, and it's mm-hmm. something I talk about, discipline and habits, discipline and habits. Yeah. But I, I just see that, and maybe you didn't even know what it was back then, but I, I know just looking back that I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, she had so much discipline to be able to say no. Like you said, the one cake, I'll be honest, when I walk in a spot, and I'm on my <laughs> diet, and I'm got my, if I walk in into a place and I see a cookie or a donut or whatever, Especially if you get me in a down moment, like I haven't eaten for four or five hours, yeah. I will scarf up like four donuts. Yeah. Immediately after, I'll feel like crap. But right, yeah. that discipline and that willpower throughout the day, and especially with you having these high-stress jobs. I mean, I, I would imagine hair is pretty high-stress because you got to make the person look perfect. Mm-hmm. And their hair, if you cut. And then you have the nursing. You're responsible mm-hmm. for people's lives. Yeah. Um, so let's get back. So w- when you started competing, how long until you jumped on stage? Um signed up right away right so it took three months for me to do a show my first show wow and I worked out did my diet Um, I remember I wasn't prepared to be in front of people like half naked I I, I know I can imagine I like before that I was so shy wearing even skirt like to be exposed like that it started to hit me and I was like oh my god this is this is a taboo. I still, I am still air trained. So in our culture, it's the, the biggest taboo in the planet. So I was so freaked out when it got close. I remember I have a guy friend of mine, and I told him, and he's like, Sam, you're here now. You, you, you've done all the work, and and he's like, just, just think of there's nobody there when you're on a stage. Just imagine that. But his pep talk was really well. It was great. It, I still had this cultural heavy yeah. thing like what I'm doing is so wrong right because that's what I'm taught like our you've seen our yep. grow up it's like you, you everything cover. it's very very modest and but right when I did the show I did it of course I like I was so happy I've always uh, worked hard for my competition but when I came back from the stage I remember telling myself okay now I did my show now that I expose my body to the world, I need to make sure this It's go time. Now I know what I'm doing. Yeah. This has to be like a reason. I need to have a reason, not just to have the perfect body, but what, what can I do with it, right? I said to myself and to my coach, and I said, I am going to do this to represent every woman in my culture and the world, but specifically for Eritrean women. Because our culture, when it comes to women, there's a lot of suppression, right? Mm-hmm. You're a woman, you can't do this. You're a woman, you can't do that. And I wanted to make to make a platform to empower young girls, like you know, in our culture, to say, hey, listen, they don't have to do bikini competition, but they can do anything, right? Despite like our culture, you s- I still love and who I am and respect my culture, but I had to do that. I have to have a purpose for me to compete, to continue competing. And, and I said, okay, I'm gonna. I want to become an IFBB pro. I want to become pro. I don't want to just do shows amateur. I need to have a goal. So that was what I did after my first show. And I said, okay, this is going to be why I'm doing it. When your big why, which was cool too, because I remember you always the gym, you'd always come up to me and ask always business advice and stuff. Yeah. And you and you were like, Jeff, there's these girls at work, and I want to help them, and they're they're overweight, and they see me, and they don't think they can do it. But like, how do I do it? Like, I don't want to tell them not to eat that. I don't want to tell them they're overweight. Yeah. 
and we would talk about it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, just have them track everything. We'd, we'd go back and forth, and you'd mm -hmm. come. You'd be like so passionate about helping these people at work. Yeah. I was like, Sam, just try to take one on, do it for free, <coughs> show them what you can do for them, and just by doing that one, you'll learn the ropes. They'll yeah. see all the results, and you guys can spread. Yeah. So. And the reason I just brought that up is because, like you said, it wasn't just you getting on stage, like most people mm -hmm. trying to be, mm -hmm. um, you know, all ego-driven, like, look at me, I'm, I work out. Like, it wasn't like that. You yeah. did it for personal reasons, just mm -hmm. to prove to yourself you could do it. Yeah. You didn't do it to, again, disrespect your culture in any way. Mm -hmm. When you found your why, though, which was kind of cool, you used that as a way, first of all, I think, to discipline yourself, to get yourself in the best shape of your life, but also to use what you've done to motivate people. Yes. And that's kind of... what. Real quick, how did your so how did your country, your culture, your people, how did they accept when they found out what you were doing? Because <coughs> that's probably one of your biggest fears is how are they going to respond? How are they going to take yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, my just my people, but my own mother, like, I know who I love, like I mean, she's my world, you know, mm -hmm. everything that there's a, this, she's the reason why I don't drink. So she's the reason why I don't. I try my best to just stay the perfect. She raised me to be a good woman for yeah. you know what I yeah. mean so for me it was a reflection in my mother so anything that I did I want to make sure that she's proud of me and then the other thing is like okay now <coughs> how are my people going to be so I had to come to term that I can't let other people stop me from what I wanted to do so my vision is bigger than what other people's think. opinion mm -hmm. or think of me and I knew that eventually people will come to love who I am and why I'm doing it and so of course, pictures surfaced on internet, and I had an interview by this Eritrean guy who is known, and his name is Ma'bel. He interviewed me. At first, when I met him, when we talked on the phone, he was shocked. He was like, there is, women is not supposed to have muscles. You can't have babies. They have all this notion about women who lift weight or, or exercise. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he's like, this is impossible. And so, but he interview me and I explained to him and I told this is what I told him I say Mabel, my people will love me they are gonna know what it is because they've never seen it they've never heard of bodybuilding let alone a woman doing it right but I'm gonna show them that beyond like what this muscle is that it's not just fit for you but I want to empower them and of course like now like I'm known oh I remember that's I was waiting for you because I remember you saying <laughs> Habish, you almost like were crying. You're like, yeah. they love me. Yeah. You're like, my people love me. They yeah. follow me. Like, I'm like, I remember you just where it gives me goosebumps because I remember you saying that and you were so, I remember you were scared, but then you were so excited because you're like, Habish, look, like you had so many messages and private messages oh. and, and everybody so was so proud of you and they loved you and embraced you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I get emotional because, um, you know, you want to do something and you want to make sure that you make your people proud, especially for me as an Eritrean woman, and it's my way of contributing to empower them, and not just empower them, but to give them hope that anything, if I can come from a small little town, where it's maybe less than a thousand people, and I never in a million years could I thought I'll be here talking to you mm -hmm. about my cause, and just, just dream, it's a dream come true, even though like all kinds of stuff happened to me, I still feel like I'm the luckiest woman on this planet. Because you, you went, yes, and it wasn't just the bodybuilding, and obviously they're like, wow, she's doing this, but it was like the whole experience. They yeah. are like, this girl moved when she was 13 years old, mm -hmm. and not only made it, mm -hmm. and didn't get sent back, or didn't whatever, but she made it, she does all, now she's, she's certified to be a nurse, she's doing a nursing thing, she's doing her hair business, and now here she is competing. So I think it was just the whole thing versus if you just someone flew over here, got into bodybuilding, <laughs> was like, uh, but the whole story. And what'd your mom say when she mom, you first talked to her? I told her she doesn't. She's never seen or heard. She, she know that I always saw her working out, so she knows that part. But she doesn't know what it is like what I do exactly. I remember I went home and I took a picture of me, like printed, so to show her this is what I look like on stage, and she almost passed out. Did she freak out? <laughs> She's like. You're naked. <laughs> I bet. Then, you know, I explained to her. I've seen your mom because she wears a whole <laughs> spiel, right? She has a whole gown on, all the African culture stuff. Yeah, she does. Very, very mad. She's very, you know, Orthodox Christian. Her dad is a priest. So imagine, like, I come from, like, really strict, you know, background. And, and then I said, Mom, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing it, why I'm doing it. And then my mom says, 
so you've always been that little girl that I couldn't stop you from wanting to do something. I guess I've always said, I'm going to do something, and I would do it when I was younger. And she says, this is just you. And she said, I'm proud of you, and I love you, as long as you're not going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. That um, she gave me her blessing. It was from that, I was like, <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> and the crazy that's good. And the crazy thing is, you guys, Semeret doesn't come from, um, it's kind of laugh, it's a funny a joke. She doesn't come from, when we see, you say Africa, not a big city, you know, not like a big city that's like San Diego or anything. She comes from a small village. Mm-hmm. And I remember your husband laughing about it, and he's like, oh, no, no, this is not just, this is like a small village. You have to, like, I don't need that burning water. Like, this is like yeah. third, third world. Yeah. So it's not like you grew up in, I don't know, what's a big city over there? Asmara. Asmara. The capital city. Okay, the capital. It's not like she came from a big city and her parents were both doctors and she had this, okay, easy. This is from like literally a place where they don't even really have cell phones, right? A cell phone? What are you talking about? I used to handwrite my mom. Hand, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I so like three months for her to reply to me. Yes. <laughs> but cell phones are in now. Now they are, but he was but even saying it's kind of restricted oh and yeah. it's like, so yeah. think about that, guys. Like we, this is not a joke. This is like, and that's why I was excited to have you on because you literally went from like, I don't want to call it homeless, but like from this. I was homeless. You were homeless, basically from the from the lowest. So yeah. I, you know, I get on my team and a bunch of people because, yeah. you know, when I try to get them to work and, and they see everything I have and it's yeah. hard because people just see it. And they're like, oh, Jeff, you've always been so, so you've always, they see you now. And they're like, oh, that yeah. they, just, they assume that you've always been this perfectly shaped. You came yeah. from this and, yeah. and you don't. You know, when I tell I get really mad and passionate with my agents because I'm yeah. like, look, guys, I know I had a harder yeah. upbringing than any of you. Yeah. If I could be covered in tattoos and have all these things going and brothers in prison, all that. And, and then open this and start this whole office and do everything I've done. Like, what are you talking about? I don't want to hear it. Like, yeah. and like for you, when you yeah. probably hear someone say excuse, you're like, stop. Like, I didn't want, I just give me goosebumps. Like, I don't want to hear your shit because you're, that's nothing. You know, when you hear about some people like, well, you know, I didn't get to do this. I didn't get a car till I was 20. And I, you know what I mean? <laughs> or like, I can't do that. I have to go do this or I have to do this. And no, 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 no. Like yeah. you went through everything. Even if you took away the African descent and you were born and raised here what you've done is magnificent right so like i think so i mean i'm just saying i don't know many people um that have done what you've done that i know that have way more opportunity than you did even today i see them they complain you're doing better than all of them and like even with certain people like you know like worm and stuff that would be like make excuses for other things i would be like look at sem though she's doing it Mm -hmm. sem got a job doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. I mean, I talked to a bunch of people about it. I'm like, there's, I don't want to hear excuses. Yeah. Like, you grew up in America. You yeah. had a, you have like, language, you have, you have everything. everything. Yeah. You came here not knowing a lick of English, learning English, mm. getting all, doing all these things. Mm. And then eventually, let's fast forward because I want to talk real quick about that you went through all the IFBB stuff. Well, you, you didn't. I'm sorry, you're not. Uh, you're just yeah. competing. What about the story of, of you going to Georgia? How about be before I went to Georgia? So I, like, in 2017, do you remember? I told you, I was like, Habish, I'm going to compete. I think I'm going to get my pro card in Pittsburgh. I felt amazing. Oh, that's what I thought. Do you remember? I thought it was, I thought it was Atlanta. I thought it was Georgia. Was it no. Georgia's so one, too? Georgia is after. Okay, okay. So, so Pittsburgh. I went to Pittsburgh, and I was like, I felt good. My coach was like, you look amazing. Everything, like, we were good. And I, like, I was sick right before I got through the stage. I had kind of like a flu-like symptoms, and I was like, man, I'm getting tired. My immune system is probably down. And I competed. I got so sick. I came back home. Four days later, I was in the ER. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. And, and then, of course, the worst is that I couldn't move my body. I was completely paralyzed. Oh, this was before you got your card. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you got your card, came back, right? When you got, then you got it. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I like, I was like, what is, I felt, I never felt like I'm going to die. You know, I had illness with kidney stone. I struggled yep. for years, right? I've never felt like I'm going to die. But that moment with this was something different. And I, I felt sick into my stomach where like, I might not make it feeling. And I remember I drove my, I went to work. I drove myself to the hospital and, and then they asked me a few minutes later to go give urine sample, I tried to get up, I couldn't do it. So they said, oh, it's okay, we'll just wheel you to the wheelchair, to the bathroom. I did that and I couldn't get up from the wheelchair to give urine too. It was, everything felt like out of body experience. It was so weird and it was so fast and I stopped having trouble breathing. Anyways, to make the story short, um, they had to rush me to like ICU and stuff like that because I was like losing 
airway, like I couldn't breathe. And anyway, so they did all kinds of tests. Of course, the first thing they think is I did drugs because I thought I'm a bodybuilder and they did all kinds of tests. Thought you were on steroids or something. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I told the doctor, I was like, I don't take drugs. And so they, but they had to do it and he came back. And then um, they said, well, everything is good. You just have the flu, the, doc the night doctor says to me. And I was like, what? So then what? She gave me something to breathe. It still didn't help. I start to feel like weaknesses in my chin, like my mouth, my hand. I couldn't feel my leg. And a young doctor, they switched doctors. She was going to send me home. And he, I told him, this is what happened. And then he was like, I need a neurologist come and check it out. Thank God he did that because he saved my life. Otherwise, if I was sent home, I wouldn't make it that day. And neurologist came, and they took me to ICU. Everything just happened so fast. And he diagnosed me with GBS Guillain-Barre syndrome, where it attacks your nerve system. It starts from your feet. It just cuts your airway. Basically, it paralyzes you, and that's how you die. Um, although, like, most people survive it, but it's a really crazy situation. So I end up getting paralyzed from this. So you went from being on stage. Four days later. Four days later to you can't move your legs. Yep. Paralyzed. So you're wasted. basically a top athlete to basically dysfunctional. Yep. And so how did that like play that. out? Um, I, you know, like I remember the doctor says, I'm sorry, but it's going to, it's going to be a while. You are temporarily paralyzed. And I thought he was crazy. I'm like, no, I'm not paralyzed. Like I, how could I be paralyzed? I drove myself here. I'm going to be, I didn't believe him. And they did all kinds of tests. So then, I, you know, it, it got worse. I think it hit me like maybe a week later that this is reality when I couldn't get up to go do anything. I couldn't move. I tried to move my legs. It felt like a, a separation between, you know, my like my brain. And your body, my, yeah. my mind keeps saying like everything is moving, but my body is not responding. You know. Anyways, to make the story short, I had to be in the hospital for a long time, and I was I had to learn how to walk. She had to learn to walk. There's crazy. You go follow her you too, and we'll say at the end, <coughs> sem uh, sem sem fit. Uh -huh. what, what do you, what's your sem are fit. Seminar fit, and we'll talk about that. In, but mm -hmm. if you follow, you'll see. I remember you sending me pictures of yeah. you. Yeah. I'm not even joking. One day it was like you were on stage, and then yeah. it seemed like a month later you were at a rehabilitation center, yeah. and you were hunched over and you could barely get up, and you were shaking. You were so excited because you took your first step. Yeah, yeah. I literally had to learn how to walk, which was like, I mean, talk about being in your lowest. I think that was my lowest. That's crazy. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and. Uh, but in my mind, when I was in the hospital, because doctors, I love science, you know I do, but there's that disconnect sometimes with some doctors, they just say stuff and they walk away, and every time they would come and tell me, you need to be patient, it's gonna take you time, like, you know, two years, three years. And I was like, no way. I couldn't see myself being paralyzed for that long. It just, it drove me nuts. So in my mind, every time I told myself, nope, every time the doctors, they come, I'm gonna, let them do they, what they do, but I'm not gonna allow them to be in my heart. I would just I refuse to accept me being paralyzed for that long, whatever, how many long. So I called my doctor. I said, Doctor Neil, <laughs> I'm an icy bit. I kid you not. He came one morning to just talk to me. I was like, Guess what? In December 2017, at the same year that I was sick, I'm like, I'm gonna do a show. Watch. I'm gonna walk out from this hospital. I'm not gonna be in a wheelchair. I refused to be in a wheelchair, and he used to go along with me. He's like, okay, yeah, of course. He's probably thinking, she's crazy. Yeah. So I had to go to rehab. I had to do, I think, three weeks in rehab. In, in rehab, outpatient, I did maybe a year and a half. Um, but in six months, once I did outpatient rehab, they sent me home to live with my parents because I can take care of myself. I had to be in a wheelchair. My worst nightmare, right? And um, I wanted to be on my own. I wanted to drive. I wanted to have my life back, and I couldn't. I was, like, so determined to get my life back. I did not care whatever it was. I lived and breathed every day. See me. I, like, had this vision in my head keep playing that I was going to walk. I was going to do um, – I was going to compete again. I don't know. Don't ask me why. I just had that vision in my head. Like, that's the radio I play constantly me seen, seeing myself doing the same thing that I did before I got sick and of course I 
moved in with my parents for three weeks. It drove me nuts. I loved them, but I was ready to have my own place, my apartment. So I told my doctor, I was like, I need to be on my own. I can take care of myself, which I wasn't ready. I was falling. I was doing all kinds of stuff. I was not safe, but I needed to feel independent again. So I moved back to my apartment. I start taking Uber to the gym. Do you remember? <laughs> I was going to say, I've been waiting to say it. She would show up to the gym with her damn cane. No, walker. First. Did you have the walker first? Yes. I just remember your cane shaking around, walking around all slow. I'd be like, dude, she needs to go home. Like, And you'd be like, no, I'm doing it. And you would just be so slow doing the like certain little workouts with no weight, just barely doing it, going through it. You're like, I'm going to be back. You'll yeah, see. You'll yeah. see. And then it went from the walker, I guess, to the cane. Mm -hmm. And then I remember you'd leave the cane in the corner of the gym and you'd go and you walk around, yeah, and then you'd go back and grab it because you're like, I'm getting more and more. And then I remember one day you showed up without, you're like, yeah. I didn't bring the cane. Yes. I, I'm at the gym now. Yeah. You were limping a little bit. You had to grab walls, but you're like, I'm, I'm not taking the cane no more. I was so determined. I was going to do everything in my power to have my life back. And I met just also, a, after that, I did that. And then I met um, a friend of mine, started going to this glute lab gym. And she's like, hey, ask Brett Contreras to see if he can take you in. And I'm like, I'm disabled. I, I have pain. How could somebody so fit will be able to take me with these girls who are fit? And I messaged him and I said, um, I tell him, hey, this is my condition. This is where I am. Is it okay if I can come work out with you guys? He was so kind. He's like, please come anytime. I remember he says, come and look at it and see. And I walked in with my cane. And all you see is this hot chicks and fit girls and just doing all kinds of squats and, you know, hip thrusts. And I was like, do they have oh. booties? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll let her with Booty Lab. Called. I don't know what's... It is Booty Lab. Oh, okay. Booty yes, Lab. Yes, they do. They're okay. all beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check that place out. You um. Um, And so I walked in and he, I'm with my cane and he's like, so what do you think? Of course, me. I'm like, I want to train. Right there. Yeah. And so he hold my hand walking like literally. I like obstacles. For me, I can't... If I see something too close to me, my body starts to shake. I lose balance. But he... Like, he had helped me, encouraged me. Just being around them gave me the motivation even more. So I would go every week, train there, and then I told Brett, I was like, guess what? I'm going to sign up for a show for December. He's like, you are? He's like, you could do it. I signed up for a show. That's crazy. And for December, December 7, 2018. And he was like, you could do it, Sam. And um, I signed up for a show, and I did a show for the first time and muscle conscious. Um, I was so excited. Of course, I met my husband around that time, too. Was that local show, the yes, first one? Sunday okay. Uh -huh. And I did it. I wanted to see myself on the stage, what I, what I was telling myself when I was in the hospital bed. And when I did it, I felt just, I just felt, even though I, I still have issues with my legs and more pain and stuff, but I just felt like, oh, my God anything is possible. If I can come out of my, basically being dead, think mm -hmm. about that, to be on a stage competing again, I was like, there's nothing that we can't do in life as long as you're breathing, you know? Yep. And then I did my first show, and I get a message on Instagram saying, hey, there is a show in Georgia, you should compete, um, you might get your four card, it's a first show opening, and I tell now my husband and then my, what are you, my fiance? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a show in Georgia. Of course, he, he won't say no. He was like, oh, okay. I had no idea it was Georgia, Georgia thinking like Georgia and America. I remember you telling me the story. I was dying. I was like, oh, good. So I, and I, one day he's like, where is in Georgia? I was like, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's a state. Where at? And then he was like, is it the country? He was like, there's a, a country, Georgia? What do you mean? He looked it up. He's like, yes, it's in Europe. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's in Europe. It's not here. I messaged the person. Is it in Europe? He was like, oh, yeah, Georgia. I was like, oh. But I, I knew that I wanted to do this show, even though it's in Europe, in my heart. Like, I always follow my intuition. I didn't feel afraid. I felt like the same. I was meant to do the show. Yeah. And I told Robert, I was like, babe, I'm going to do it. And he's like, okay. I booked my ticket. I went to Georgia. Just. By yourself. By myself. This old Georgia. And, and I don't know. It used to be part of uh, Russia, I think. Yeah. And 
I think on that plane, I was the only black person. They were all white. (laughs) 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 I walked in, I was like, well, I'm here. And I did it. I walked in. I remember I got to my hotel. There's not that many people. And I, I they were they were coming at me maybe the next day. And I just I just keep saying, you know what? This it wasn't it's not me. I felt like there's something beyond me that's making me do this and it's God. You know, for me I was like, this was meant for me to do it. I didn't care if I become a pro, but I had to I had to show up. I had mm-hmm. to be there, right? And I walked and I on the stage, I honestly didn't think I was gonna win. I thought another girl would win. And um, I remember when they called my name and I thought, I had this out-of-body experience. And I was like, wait, what? This, is this real? And they came and they gave you the crown and the sword and stuff, right? And I was like, oh, wait, what? It's, I am IFB before. My dream to, you know, I worked so hard since 2013. Yep. It took me this long, right? It was just, I did it. I became an IFBB pro. That's crazy. After all that. You know, and I came home, and of course, like, Robbie was so proud of me, and I was just so excited. I was like, wow, I'm so happy. And so now then, I was like, I'm home. Uh, like, everybody's like, wait, what? You went to Georgia? Where is it? In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> How many hours was that flight? <laughs> I think it was like 24 it took me because I had layover and stuff. Oh, my God. And then you went out there, one, got back on a flight, came back. I sure did. <laughs> that was my whole purpose, and it was the most incredible, amazing feeling. But have I not gone there, I wouldn't be. Uh, maybe I wouldn't be IFB before. I don't know, but that's the thing. It's like in life, we all have some things that somehow divine guy, God, whatever, universe, just takes you there. Yeah. You know? And I was willing to go that, that far to that's an incredible story. Um, and it doesn't even end there because uh, shortly after you returned, you were married or pregnant first? No. So I was what? training to do my first debut as a pro. Okay. I was working out. I was like, okay, I'm going to do a show. And um, Robert went to Europe. And then I was, I was getting sick. And I was like, what is it? You know, I still have the pain. And I was like, it's not the glam birds, not the rocket thing. I just felt so sick. And it's a different feeling. And I call him in Europe. And I was like, I don't feel good. And he's like, just rest. You're working out too much. Why don't you take the day off and rest? And then the next day, something just told me, like, let me just take this pregnancy test. <laughs> yeah. And you were pregnant. Surprise. Which is, that I think that, though, honestly, I know we've talked about all these things, but I honestly, from knowing you your whole life, I think the baby was probably your biggest accomplishment. Oh, my God, by far. Are you kidding? Because that's all you ever talked about since I met you is you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. Yes, forever. Everyone that knows me, I was like, I want a baby, I want a baby. I love having a family. That's, that's, I I think part of it is because all the things that happened to me in my life, I I needed a sense of like family accomplishment in a way, mm-hmm. like to make me feel like the void, you know? Like yep. My mom is not here. I love my parents, don't get me wrong. Um, but like what I had, my security blanket at home growing up with so much love and my family, my like it, that was gone immediately to come to America. And then what I thought I would have, I don't have it anymore. And so for me, like I, I love children and I wanted to be a mother. And when I find out I was pregnant, I was like, oh my God, Lord, just every prayer that I've ever did, you, you bless me with a child. You know, at times I thought maybe I won't be able to have a baby because I, one doctor told me that I might not be able to have it. You know, so I had that a little bit of a doubt in the back of my saying, maybe it won't happen for me. You know, yep. maybe I have to do infertility or something like that. And for me, after all that I've been through, to have it naturally, like, just, is just the biggest blessing in my life. That's awesome. And then I know you got married to Robert, who's an, yes. a cool dude. Um, and what is, so we know you've accomplished all this. I want to know, honestly, um, what's next? What's next? And so, of course, I had my baby daughter, uh, Delina, six months ago. And I told Robert, I was like, I'm going to do a show. And... Um, I couldn't do it exercise right away because I had C-section. I had to wait. But um, I signed up for a show right before coronavirus. 
um, happen, and um, and then of course uh, things change. So now next is gonna be basically to do a show in August after a baby, and of course anyone could do it, right? So this is this is strictly for me, but I wanted to to give hope to a woman, first of all, who couldn't have a baby. Mm -hmm. Feels like she's never gonna be able to have that, to not give up, you know? Everything that ever happened to me in my life could happen to anyone, but not giving up hope and faith, having faith in God for me, um, like just continue to push towards your goal and not stop, even for obstacles, you know? That's awesome. And what about so your, um, so you started Semrit Fitness? Yes, so I'm doing an online training and you know selling products on my website simretwitsum.com. Um, Wait, slow down. What is it? Simretwitsum.com. Okay. And so I do one-on-one -on -one and online training. Um, I have clients, you know, all over, really in Europe, especially people from my country. Yeah. They're always, you know. Um, so I wanted to empower women, like how I'm feeling right now. I want them to feel that way. I yep. want them to be strong, physically, but the 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 fitness that gives you it empowers you right it gives you a sense of accomplishment but it gives you I don't know the inside uh, strength right and if you can accomplish through fitness you can you can accomplish anything, anything right and you know that mm -hmm. and so that's what I want to instill in people I want to pass and you know generation to come um, through fitness empower women and, and give them hope that's awesome. Um, so the, the name of the show, before we get going, the name of the show is There's a Difference. And again, I highlight people that have made a difference. But I also, my question to you uh, for the audience is, what do you think the difference is between you and everyone else that's came here, immigrants, anyone that has, what do you think the difference in you is that you think, what do you think's made the difference? I think my discipline, how I, what discipline for others might not be the same what's discipline for me, mm -hmm. you know, being disciplined on like, on everything that I do, and and no matter what life hits you, to be disciplined and not to um, gear away from your don't deviate, stay yeah, on it. Just just keep going until you get there. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. Awesome, so. that's great. All right, where can they find you if they want to find you? Um, um, Facebook on Simretwisom, Instagram Simret. Actually, it's S E M and then R Fit on mm -hmm. Instagram. Uh, I have YouTube Simretwisom as well. YouTube is coming yeah. up. Um, yeah. if, you, if they want to find your clothes, they go to your website. Yes. And I know that you'll be having a podcast coming up as well yes. and a documentary. Yes. So a lot of stuff, a lot of exciting stuff coming up for you. Thank Again, you guys, go follow her. If you can't find it, go to my page. She's on there. You can find her. Follow all her stuff. She's very inspiring. She's um, very motivational. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on my show. Thank you, Jeff. I'm excited to see what happens. Thank you. So all right, so guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I will see you guys soon.